I don't want to pet your cat. I'm recording a po- I'm recording a podcast. Yeah, I'm in a car. I'm in my mom's car. Welcome to the Barely Saved Podcast, where we have the discussions real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts. I'm Rebecca. I'm Caleb. I'm Mike. I'm Matt Van Winkle. Oh my gosh, I have to tell you something. Okay. Lindsay's not here though, which makes this not as much fun, but it'll be fun when she listens to it. Did you guys look at the TikTok? So Nate and I watched it last night, (laughs) and the first thing he says was, it's like a black Lindsay. Now I've got to go find it. Dang it. Thank you for this. Yep. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to tell her that on the podcast tomorrow, but she's not here. Just let her find out through listening to the podcast, and I will I will add it to the show notes. So I've watched it. I think everybody's watched it, right? Everybody's seen it? I've, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I did not see that at first, but then... <laughs> now that you've mentioned that it's like a black Lindsay, it's amazing. I, I just... I, I thought it was hilarious that that was like Nate's first reaction since, I mean, he doesn't interact with you guys nearly as much as I do. And yet, like, that was his first thing was, it's a black Lindsay. 100%. And and we've recorded our intro twice. So um, podcast listeners, there's probably a good bit of conversation because we've been talking for like 30 minutes before we ever hit record. So, um, I mean, Caleb and I have been here for an hour, so. It's true. A lot of talkings happened, so we, we might not come back to things that we've already said because things happen. All right, I think that Matt has our did you know. That is the case. Our did you know this week is, uh, did you know that we're actually thankful for things? Because you might listen to the podcast and think, oh, these guys are a bunch of downers. Okay, we just complain a lot. And given that to peek behind the curtain, we are recording this on Thanksgiving because this is our fictive kinship group or one of our fictive kinship groups. And therefore, we get to be with family today. Aww. Aww. Let's not make it too sentimental, though. I might get sick. Um, I just threw up a little. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm probably the most sentimental of the group, but, you know, I'll just. That's absolutely true. Absolutely not even. Nope. There's no maybe. Yeah, no, there's not a maybe. There definitely is. The most conservative, the most sentimental. And and that doesn't mean that we are not sentimental. It just means that I'm the most sentimental of the group. (laughs) You are very sentimental. (laughs) I once threw out a birthday card in front of the guys who gave me the birthday card. Whoa, that, that, sir. I felt so bad. Like in the, like right when they gave it to you? Yeah, I like opened it. I like read it. And I went to go grab a drink from the kitchen and I just instinctively tossed it away. And one of the guys in my Bible study were like, bro, I was like, I'm so sorry. He got the message. If there was a gift inside of it, he took it out. There's no need for the card. I don't believe in uh, birthday cards, Christmas cards, wedding cards. I don't believe in cards. I have a whole file that is just cards that I have been given. Yeah. I do. I do have a card for my wife. Would you let me read it to you? If it talks about like. Entering or leaving, I don't want to hear it. Are you ready for this? No, but go ahead. This is just the front of the card. I'm not going to read the inside. That's a little personal. I love that you don't have a micro penis. <laughs> so it is about entering and leaving. I've just, I read you the front of the card. It's true, and we can see it. And um, yeah. That is exactly what it says. That is beautiful. Muddymouthcards.com. Not promoted, not sponsored. I have a bulletin board next to my bed that I've pinned like 
Like the letter that Nate wrote me when he proposed. Like I have so sentimental cards from people, mostly like my closest people, like my affirmation things or whatever. But I don't keep like birthday cards from people. But I do remember that like my dad threw away a birthday card that I made him when I was like a little girl in front of me, like the day of. And I was like, or I saw it in like the the recycling going to the, like when we're taking it to the recycling transfer station. And I was like, what? You got to hide that. Right? You got to do that. Do better, dad. Like. I do have another card. I haven't used this one yet. So we bought, we were at a thing. We bought a couple. Muddy Mouth. They're, they're funny cards. Uh, this, and you guys will enjoy this one. I'm going to show it to you. So somebody, somebody can read it. And uh, I haven't sent it yet. So some, somebody will get it one day. Thanks for everything. Seriously, thank you. It's rare, but I'm not being sarcastic. That's very you, Matt. It's very apropos, right? It's fantastic. Muddy mouth cards. They're, they're worth their weight in gold. What were we talking about? Sentimentality. What are we thankful for? <laughs> I'm thankful for sentimentality. I'm thankful that my uh, Bible study didn't uh, hate me. For throwing away a birthday card in front of them. I mean, let's let's be honest. I'm thankful that uh, I made it this far this year with everything that's going on. I missed out on a couple things that I was looking forward to, which was unfortunate. But yeah, it, it's been a crazy year. I I wouldn't undo it. I'd do it differently. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thankful that I, I'm, I'm thankful I'm still here, like that I still am alive, which there are a lot of people that aren't. Yeah, there's a lot of people this year that can't say that. One of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is like we we all have our our gripes with you know our our coworkers or our staff pastors that we work with or our lead pastors like we all have our things that we butt heads over. Not if we're unemployed. Well, you're you're volunteering at a church right now, Caleb, right? Like you have, I'm sure, some things that you could could butt heads over. But um, there have been multiple times where I've heard stories from people their 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 working situations with their bosses or their churches that are terrible or situations with people's marriages that just um, reinforce how unbelievably grateful I am. Like as much as my lead pastor and I, like we, we don't agree on everything. We butt heads. We have things that we, you know, hash out and we both do stupid things, but like our working relationship is, is really, really cool. And, um, and he's always had my back and I've always had his. Um, and, and similarly, like I've, I've been super grateful in this season this year of how Nate and I have handled the pandemic and like adjusted to working at home and adjusted our expectations of each other and with un- and you know it's like I sometimes falsely assume that everybody has it as good as he and I do um in our relationship and then you hear stories of of like what people have experienced not even during like quarantine in their marriages or in their work situations and it's just like wow like people don't people don't have it this good um that he and I do um and it's not that it's not like we haven't put in the work or that we don't have our issues but I just have been um really 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 super grateful um of those two dynamics in my in my life of the dynamic with my lead pastor and that relationship and and the way that Nate and I have it's like we really enjoyed working from home together. I mean, he didn't enjoy doing the actual work at home because he just liked traveling to go see clients, but as far as having that extra time together and like we did bonfires a whole bunch and we did okay, not bonfires, we did campfires because they were not big enough to be bonfires. Um, but it just was it's been a really like good and humbling thing even when people are driving me crazy that like how how good we've had it and how good i have it with with those two guys in particular yeah you know i'm i'm thankful that i'm here where i am right this year has been 
crazy. You know, if I list through all of the things that have happened this year, it's like there's a lot, right? Like like leaving two jobs because of circumstances that were beyond my control and um, moving across the country and a whole bunch of things. Um, But as as I've gone through this year, things have happened. I've seen people. I've met people. I've been able to minister to people in ways that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I'm thankful that I've been in the places where I am, even if I didn't like the circumstances that put me there when I was going through them. I'm thankful that this is where I am and that I've been able to do the things that I've been able to do along the way. And it's funny you mentioned that, Caleb, because that's something that I forgot. But the other day, I, I don't, I'm not super pastoral. It comes out every once in a while, but I'm not that, I'm that, I'm not that person. But uh, I did get a chance, like on Monday, question mark? I got the chance to be pastoral like three times, which for me is like a record with three different people. And it was, it was really fun and not like in a, all right, well, let's talk about what happened, but like an actual, like being, just being a pastor, which was rare for me, but especially, you know, in a workplace and all those things, but it was a lot of fun. And I'm glad that I got the opportunity. Maybe I've just seen a different side of you through our group and stuff, Matt, but I've, I've never like thought like Matt's not pastoral. Matt's not pastoral in a lot of traditional ways. He's, he's very rough, which uh, some people don't find as pastoral. I guess so am I in a lot of ways. So maybe that's why I am, but I'm also like, I'm going to shoot it to you straight if there's an issue. So, so maybe that's why I'm like, I think you're pastoral. (laughs) Maybe I'm not as pastoral as I think I am. I know you are, but what am I? Also, I like that a lot better than I know you are, what am I? Like, make it a question. Mike, what are you thankful for? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very thankful that I'm still here. and I'm, I'm very thankful that my wife and I were able to make it work, that we could could visit family during this time. I, I didn't realize how much I, I'm missing, my, especially my, my little brother. Shout out to him. I love him a lot. Also, he gave me some Air Force Ones, so pretty pumped about that. <laughs> Uh, for Nike shoes, for those of you old people who don't know. Don't you know that we're boycotting them? We're boycotting Nike? Don't you remember? Sure. No, no, I don't remember that. Let's make the list of people we aren't boycotting. Ready? And done. Wait, no, hold on. I have a list. He really does have a list. Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, I boycott Chick-fil-A. Which makes me sad, because they are the best gluten-free fast food restaurant. Wait, hold on. We're going to have to talk about that in a minute, but... No, no, we're going to let Mike finish. We're going to talk about that on the polo group because I'm so confused. Uh, What am I thankful for? I'm thankful that we got to visit family. Uh, I'm thankful just for for my wife. I love her so much. My wife. And we said Rebecca was a sentimental one. Right. It it comes out. I don't keep anything. I just, I store it up in my my feeliness. You just have all the feels. I remind myself to, to be feely. I'm in the, I'm an Enneagram six, so I don't. It's, it's all up here, but I have to remind myself to feel with my heart. Yeah, thank, thank, very thankful that my wife and I were able to make working at home work, uh, especially because I'm the classic talk the entire time I'm working and distract everyone else while I get all my work done. And she is not, I'm assuming. No, 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 no. no, no. I used to, I, when we worked, she, she had the living room and I had to work in my, my office, second bedroom, so that I would not distract her. Thankful for my, my dog that we, we adopted. Her name is Toph. She's a little pit bull. She's adorable. She's very cute. Uh, thankful for the puppy snuggles. Thankful for sparkle water. I'm also thankful for my work for uh, the organization that I'm a part of. The one that's still unnamed, so that way you guys can't be tracked by your first names. Are we ready to move on to whatever we're talking about for our next section? Oh, I'm thankful for you guys, too. I was going to talk about like being really thankful for you guys, but uh, I, that I felt like Matt might explode. 
there's the magic of editing. So all of this can happen before we do the transition music. Too much sentimentality and things are going to blow up. I've got a trash can if I need to throw up, so I'm good. There's no telling. The, 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 the Marco Polo Grove specifically is just kind of like a, a saving grace and a, a good, saves, saves my sanity. Oh, I probably, I, I would have went off on multiple people this year in person if I did not have the Marco Polo group to vent. It's really, it's really been a saving grace from the standpoint of like having people, having just having friends because everybody that I have like invested, everybody my own age who I have invested in, in within our church body has left within the last three years. So like I need to have my like friendship bucket filled by other people that are not like church members. And there's nobody else in our valley who's even my age in ministry besides <laughs> and shoot, I said it. The unnamed organization. Gosh. I mean, Mike, you know how it is. Like it's that's that that's a really insular thing. And even though I come from that world, I don't get to see those people. So it is Thanksgiving. And another thing that we are thankful for is that election season is almost coming to an end. We have a whole special election. Like, never mind what's going on elsewhere. We have a whole two senators who are getting elected. I know. I said almost. Okay, so I'm sorry. I gotta go. Um, the Did you see what some people in Georgia are doing over this? Yeah, they're boycotting. They're boycotting the election because it's rigged. Hold on. Just wait. This is the greatest thing ever. Mike has, like, got this face and it's so good. So, I don't know. Maybe Q. I don't know. Someone, the, the elections are being rigged. So, the GOP people are not going, are boycotting the election, the special election. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean is going to happen, Mike? Uh, I mean, I'm not a political science, but, uh... Means they're gonna lose! The Democrats are gonna win, which will prove that it was rigged because they're boycotting. Wow! Yeah, I saw an article that's like, they're gonna destroy, they're vowing to destroy the GOP if they don't win. What? I've seen from a couple of Q pages that I follow that they're telling everybody to boycott the special election in Georgia because it's rigged. Which will lead to the Democrats winning, which will prove that it was rigged. That's the thing. I, I honestly think that this is just Q trying to prove that they're correct. And the only way to prove that you're correct is tell people to boycott, tell the GOP to boycott because it's rigged. And so then the GOP will lose because they didn't vote. I mean, think about the margins. We're talking like Joe won by 16,000, 4,000. I can't remember anymore. He won by a very slim margin. So if a thousand people decide not to vote on the special election and they were all GOP voters, that is a huge swing in a special election. And given Stacey Abrams' incredible ground game, I saw it on Reddit. There was an actual story, like a news story that was, you know, go somewhere else. It is the wildest, most senseless thing I've ever seen. And I love it. That is another thing I'm thankful for. The GOP is tearing itself apart from the inside because truth doesn't matter. That's like that meme where the dude is like, shoots the guy in the chair and he's like, who could have done this? We're talking about governing authorities here. Yes. One of my biggest pet peeves with this whole, the different lockdowns, the different restrictions, the different things. And there's there's a lot of different facets of this topic of governmental authority, whether it's submitting to like the election results, whether it's like um, restrictions with COVID. And I've seen this. There's one person in particular who has commented multiple times like, well, can you enforce it? Like that's their framework for governmental oversight is if you can enforce it, like then it's valid. 
kind of thing. And and I just don't, I really, I can't wrap my head around that from the standpoint of like, really? That's your framework for... Right. We should only make things illegal that can be enforced, obviously. Which I was thinking about it extra as I was like driving to work today, you know, my three minute drive, because I was like, well, technically it's not enforceable to make rape illegal because it still happens. And we don't prosecute them very much, actually. No, we don't. Don't even get me started. They go undealt with. Like, so I I just, I'm not as familiar with like the nuance behind like Romans 13. And I know like Matt and Caleb and you guys will go into the more like theological side of, but it just boggles my mind. I can't wrap my head around that kind of like, well, who cares if it's enforceable? If that's something, if it's not something that is like, anyway, I'm, now I'm out of words, but just people can be so dumb. So we're talking about governing authorities. So I want to read a text to you. Are you ready for this? Yes. Are you sitting on the edge of your seat? No, hold on. Rebecca, we have the same phone. <gasps> we do. They're both purple. Yes, because the purple is the prettiest. I have the better phone. And except I have a better case. What? My case is clear. And you can see my purple. I have a less good phone. Right, you can see, mine's clear and can you see my purple? And it's Harry Potter. Yeah, you're trying to raise Gryffindors. I'm a Hufflepuff. Are you a Hufflepuff? Yes. I'm a Slytherin. Wait, what is Caleb? What am I? Caleb hasn't read them. He doesn't get to actually, no, you, you sorted yourself on Pottermore, didn't you? Because if Caleb is a Gryffindor, we got all the houses here. Are you a Ravenclaw? Oh, yeah. Look, look at this. What are you, what are you, crazy? The only chance I have of being a Gryffindor is being Hermione and... I'm not her. I've taken the test twice. You have the hair for it. And I'm pretty sure that I'm a Hufflepuff. I have the teeth for it too. Which makes sense because I'm definitely a Newt's commander type. So So Mike, when I originally took the test, uh, it was like when Pottermore first came out and it put me in Gryffindor. And then when they updated the test, they were like, you can reclaim your house or you can like have it updated and it might be more accurate because they'd had the weird algorithm where they were like keeping the houses even instead of just like doing it. And so then I was like, well, I'll retake it and like assumed that I would still get Gryffindor. Um, and then I got Hufflepuff and I had a mild midlife crisis. Is anyone shocked though, besides you? I was. No. It's because she thought that she was a Hermione, but she's uh, somebody else that's a Hufflepuff. No, oh no, I've never thought of myself as a Hermione. I, I would be more like a, well. A grubbly plank. And, I've, and, and it's not that I've not read any of the books. I've now finished the first three. I just read Azkaban this week. So we'll have to we'll have to talk about Harry Potter once Caleb's officially read them all. We can talk about them before. No, we cannot. No, not having read something has never prevented me from talking about it before. Caleb, we are not talking about the book series in depth until you've actually read them. No, I already know what happens. It doesn't matter if you know what happens if you don't know the nuance and the details behind it. No, it's been part of pop culture long enough. You're not going to ruin the plot significantly. I can just go watch the movies. But the, the beauty of the book is not the plot. Nope. It's not, it's not, it's not the plot. It's not the plot. It's all the individual. It's all the little details. Yeah. It's all the nuance and the details, which you don't know. Right. And the way she weaves it so expertly together. Oh my gosh. I know. Oh, she, that's the thing. That's the thing I love about her most is that there's no ex machina stuff. At, at some point we need to finish talking about either governing authorities or something. That's true, because I have a sermon to write, you guys. All right, so First Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. I would like to get some pronoun help here, uh, and I need your assistance, all right? Be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake, whether to a king as supreme or to governors as those he commissions, to punish wrongdoers and praise those who do good, okay? Everybody got that? The question is, 
the pronoun he in verse 14, what is the antecedent? My internet froze, so I can't answer. I thought we were just like all being silent and... It might have been, but like... It's waiting for the drop of knowledge. The verse says this again. Uh, Whether to a king as supreme or to governors as those he commissions to punish wrongdoers and praise those who do good. Yeah, but your question was, what was the what? What is the antecedent of the pronoun he in verse 14? Right. So who who does the he refer to? Yeah. Yeah. So who who is it? The the atos there. Who? Yeah. Who who does the pronoun refer to? It's the Lord. No, it's I think it's, it's referring to the human leader. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. I think it's the king. Yeah. It's talking about you got to him, the king. The king is the one who's commissioning the governors. Yeah. And I think this is a huge... Because that's how the Roman Empire worked. Because it's so exactly what the question actually is. Who, in, in this passage, who is appointing the governors to do those things, right? And and maybe uh, there's... I think if you're reading God into the antecedent there, that we're automatically bringing our theology in. I mean, no matter what, we're bringing our theology into this. I don't think so. Because it's whether the king as supreme or to governors as the king commissions. I don't think that Autos can go back to uh, the Lord's sake or the sake of the Lord. I don't think the genitive works there. Sorry, I wasn't prepared to look at this in. Hold on. Matt is correct. Caleb is wrong. Let the record reflect that Caleb is willing to admit when he is wrong. It is 100% to the emperor. But here's the thing. I don't know if you're wrong. Like your initial assumption, though, is exactly what is the thing. So I think it is both, but the Greek would be it goes back to the emperor. Right. And notice what uh, Peter says about the authority. He calls it the supreme authority. Yes. Well, who has supreme authority? So, But he assigns the supreme authority to the king, which, which I think is why you can't just go from this to Romans 13 and assume that everything about this verse just transfers over to Romans 13. I think that you have to like play with it and you have to understand what's going on here. And that Peter is, is almost saying this tongue in cheek. Right. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him. Um, That emperor there, so that, you know, king, I do do think that's definitely tongue in cheek, right? Like, right. Because Peter knows who's supreme and he walked around with him. So there's a tongue in cheek nature of calling the emperor supreme and as OC commissions. It's not and you're not doing it because of the emperor. You're not doing it because of the governors. You're doing it for the Lord's sake. So yeah, I think that when you're looking at this passage, we have to understand that the the king supreme is not the thing that we're looking for. And that Peter is saying that tongue in cheek. And then the governors he commissions and everything that Peter is talking about here is for the Lord's sake, not because of it's we, we understand that God put them here, but but Peter's not saying that. Right. So now I think that once we, and I was having this conversation with somebody else, once we have this down, now we can talk about the other, right? You can't move on until you've got this confirmed. So is Peter saying that leaders are not put in place from God? No. I don't think Peter's saying that, but I think he's saying, hey, for the Lord's sake, treat the king like he's the supreme. For the Lord's sake, the governors he appoints, treat them with respect. Be a blessing to others. Yeah, which is, if you read First Peter, like, that's what he's saying consistently. This isn't, like, out of left field, right? Like like you just said, Mike. 
Right. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Right. The Abrahamic blessing, you will be blessed to be a blessing, is like something that Peter weaves throughout his letter. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Yes. Uh, what does that verse say again? Verse 17. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Reading out of uh, Rebecca's favorite translation. Passion? No, the ESV. Ugh, phew. I think it's the NIV. I don't have an album in front of me because I'm a heretic. I love how like she like had to think about it. Like Kayla wasn't being sarcastic. And- no, I was just deciding whether I would actually say the word or not. Here's the thing. The ESV is closer to the wooden language of the Greek. So if I'm going to compare the two, it's easier for me to do. It's either that or King James, but y'all really don't like it when I go King James. So if I'm going to compare it to the SBL... I need to do it in ESV because then I don't have to do weird things with word order like I do in the NIV to know what's going on. Yeah, the the New English, the NET says, honor all people, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the king. I love how it says in that verse, honor all people, because it's not even, it's like almost, almost lowering the bar. Like, okay, you're supposed to let everyone. I don't think so, though. I think that it's raising the bar. You don't think so? No. Is it raising the bar? Because we don't live in it. We don't live in a shame on our culture. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. In the shame honor culture, honestly, with that verse, he is saying in that honor sense, serve everyone. Love the believers, which you already are supposed to submit to. Fear God, serve the king. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I was definitely being a white boy reading that. Honor, shame, man. It, it's so it's so rough and so difficult to, to wrap our minds around. I could be wrong, but when you place the honor all people there. Yeah, that makes sense. So much sense. Wow, that's yeah. He he's definitely raising the bar because love just works so differently. I think in other non-Western cultures, but the honor, like that, is like your thing. Like you, you just you do honor. It's like being a good person in in America. You you have to be a, a quote unquote morally good human. But that's the thing in other cultures. Your morality doesn't matter. No honor does. Whether you get caught. Mm-hmm. D- David wasn't upset with himself. Until he got caught. And that's when it was like, oh, I got caught. Oh, God knows. Oh. What happened to Caleb? He went to go do something. Probably, a, if we're being honest, it's dog related. Uh, so it says, be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake, whether to a king as supreme or to governors as those he commissions to punish wrongdoers and praise those who do good. Or to ver- say verse 14 again, or to governors as the king commissions. The pronoun there is he, but we think that the antecedent of he should be the king and not God, that the the, uh, the the emperor, the Basileia, is the one appointing the um, the governors, not God in, in Peter's theology. And then so now that and and when he says uh, whether to a king as supreme, not as supreme, but as supreme, he is saying that tongue in cheek because the, the emperor is not supreme. We know that God is. We know that, that the Christ is uh, the ruler. And so he's not, he's saying it in that kind of like. Make him think that he's supreme. That as there is in the Greek. We're not like adding that. Um, so treat whether to the king as if he is supreme or to the governors that the king commissions. So Peter is saying it tongue in cheek. He's, he's like, hey, let's treat him that way just because it makes it go easier. So that you can, so it, so um, to be able to like focus on the bigger picture. Absolutely. If you're if you're out there proclaiming Jesus as king, make sure that you're acting as if the emperor is in in the way of we're out here proclaiming something. Let's not 
act as if we're in total rebellion, um, because that's going to look bad. That's going to look bad on Jesus, which is the main point. Beautiful. Any questions, comments, criticisms? So basically, it doesn't matter whether something's enforceable or not. We should... I think that Peter would say that, yeah. And Peter lived in an authoritarian regime. So then you can turn to Romans 13 and have a conversation about that. But I thought that the second Peter conversation was important as well. Mm-hmm. I thought we weren't supposed to mix Pauline and... That's why we completed Petrin theology and understood the passage before we moved to our Pauline theology. I'm going to say, no, we can. We we should go between them. We just cannot mix Lucan and Pauline pneumatology. There's a difference. First off, I will throw you off a bridge. For what? For being wrong. Second, you can't mix these passages. You cannot start in, in Peter and then go to Paul to finish what Peter's thinking. Oh, well, no, that would be stupid. Who would do such a thing? I'm not saying that people have suggested that to me, but I'm saying that people have suggested that to me. To understand Peter, we need to go read Paul, and that's not right. We have to finish Peter and then go to Paul. Although I usually start Paul and then go Peter, but yes. This, I, I was more like following the tennis match between you two. Like, <laughs> No, me, me and Matt agree. They, they go together, but you cannot. And I, I swear, Caleb, someone tried to do it. And I was like, I about lost my mind. I was like, no, you cannot go. You cannot just go to Paul and say, oh, let's take what he's thinking, because Paul's using completely different languages. Paul, they don't even use the same word for authority, not once, because Paul continually is using exousia, whereas uh, Peter is using ktise, completely not even the same word. So you can't just interchange them. Part of what you see going on here is where Peter says, whether it be to emperor as supreme, that is the word that Paul is using in Romans 13 for governing. Like that supreme is what Paul is saying is governing. Yes. Let me rephrase. There is a there is a translation that says be subject to every human authority, which is not that word. But that's not human. What do you mean? In Romans. No, in Peter, they're translating pone anthropine anthropine. So weird to see that ending. Uh anthropine katise as human authority, because they're this is where you you got to finish Peter before you go to Paul or vice versa. They're taking the Pauline idea of human authority and and subjecting Peter to that. And Peter is saying human institution or human organization, right? Be subject to every human organization for the Lord's sake, whether to the, the king as supreme ruler, with a supreme authority, or to governors as the king is commissioned. But there, I don't remember which translation it is, but there's one that says to every human authority. And it seems as if they're borrowing that from the Pauline language, which I think is extremely problematic. Right, because that's Ktise and that's that's gonna be creation. Like like it's it's every human creation or institution. So I think that that's that's part of the reason that I have problems with it because they're they're they're, they're saying the same thing, but very differently. Right. And for vastly different reasons, as I think we'll discuss. So I have, I've actually, I, I think the Romans 13 is continually interpreted wrong. Um, and I've had a couple people ask me about it. And so the thing that I think Romans 13 is trying to do is once again, we have to look, read Romans backwards, look at what Paul is trying to do in the letter to get to his end goal, to understand what he's doing here. And so what is he doing? He's trying to raise money. So who's he trying to raise money from? A church that's uh, united. Well, why is the church not united? Well, if you go to Romans 13, you can see why. Because the emperor had just expelled the Jews. So the Jewish Christians had to leave. And Paul is saying here, they left for a good reason. They had the opportunity to fight. They did not. They chose to leave. So you Gentiles who are saying that they shouldn't have left, you're wrong. And and you go to, and then you go to Romans 14 and he says, you Jewish Christians who are telling the Gentiles 
what to eat, what days to observe, and all these other things, you're wrong. So he's correcting both of them. And then the, the rest of the letter is showing them that they're the same, right? Romans 1 through uh, 11 is trying to get them to understand you're all in the same boat. You're all saved by grace. You, you, this is all of you. Quit fighting amongst yourselves. I need you to be united so that when I get there, you'll send me to Spain. And so I don't think that Romans 13 is a great treatise about how we should always respect the government or always do these things. It could be. But if you're not looking at it in the light of Paul saying right now, in this moment, quit treating them like they're less because they left. It would be more likened to, I don't know if I want to go there, but I'm going to. I'm going there. Let's go. It would be more likened to saying to people who have opposed closing down for church, saying, what are you guys doing? You're not Christians. You've stopped meeting together in the way we always have. That would be the analogy right now. And Romans 14 would be the vice versa. Why, why did you guys not stop? Don't you know that you should have stopped? And we've all been in those conversations, but Paul is telling us we're, you're all the same. You're still on the same team and you still got to get me to Spain, you bunch of punks. So figure it out. I mean, it's the only letter he wrote to a people that he didn't know that we have. So you have to wonder why he's writing it. They didn't tell him there were any problems that we know of. Well, I mean, he tells us pretty explicitly why he wrote it. What the problems are. Well, not what the problems are. And of course he knows because you read Romans 16 and there's this whole list of people that he knows. He, he, he's heard. He, he's gotten the telegram. But but it's not like the Corinthian correspondence where we see, oh, you sent me a letter, I'm sending you a letter, you sent me a letter, I'm sending you a letter. Like there's there's clearly a difference there. So I think that like when we look at Romans 13, we have to look at it in that context. And in that context, I do think that it's still telling us to obey the authorities when when they're telling us to do things. But I don't think that it's telling us that we have to submit to the authorities no matter what they say. Right. Yeah. I, I love I love that we're all about Paul's epistles being circumstantial until it comes to Romans. Yes. That's because don't you know that Romans was a treatise on like salvation by grace and it's not at all circumstantial? Like, have you not read Luther? I ha- I have his 95 Theses rap memorized. I read enough of Luther to know that he's wrong. Sometimes I read this thing on uh, where he endorses polygamy and uh, wow, what a wild man. I read this other thing where he said the peasants shouldn't revolt because it makes him look bad. Ha, I love Luther. <laughs> and that's not to get into the bad stuff. So let the record reflect. I do not agree with Luther on a lot of his points. I agree with Luther on polygamy to an extent. I do not think that it is sinful, but I also don't think it's wise. I also think that if you are a polygamist, don't belong in church leadership. Absolutely not. No, Paul's pretty clear. I say my my laptop's gonna die. We'll see how long I make it. So, in our in our culture, what's been happening? Usually, we do a news story here. Do we have a news story? The news is today, five to four. New York cannot impose restrictions on religious institutions that it does not impose on uh, any other business. So if 50 people can be in Walmart, 50 people can be in the church. Is that contingent upon the size of the church and the size of the Walmart? I would imagine that there's some sort of way they can get around that, but yeah. Basically, they cannot single them out. And it was the first case in which Amy Coney Barrett made a huge difference because she did swing the court to 5-4. Roberts went with the more liberal justices in his dissent. And the other five, Alito, let's see if I can do this. Alito, Thomas, Barrett, Kavanaugh, and Gorsuch. So what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to limit it to a percentage of fire capacity would be the way that they'll be able to do it. They won't be able to say 10 people, 25 people, or what have you. 
Um, they will still be able to limit mass gatherings by saying it's going to be a certain percentage, um, but that's going to have to be across the board. So Walmart will only be able to have, say, 10% of their capacity or whatever the number they now are states are going to have to come up with. I think that there's multiple things here. First off, I think I agree with the ruling. Oh, I 100% agree with the ruling. I think it's the right ruling. Second, that doesn't mean that I think you should have indoor church, right? Like both the, I agree with the ruling. If you're singing indoors, they're not mutually exclusive, unfettered, uh, that, that could be problematic in our certain, our current spreading environment. Both of those things can be true. My church has been meeting outside for 35 weeks. Like it can be done safely. Which, when you live in North Carolina, that is more doable. Yeah. Okay, but my laptop is going to die, so I got to get off. <laughs> for for the second time, you've not been able to make it to the end. But admittedly, we were starting at 12 and then started at 1. So... Now you know to always bring a charger. <laughs> yeah, do you not have a charger in your car? Uh, no. A laptop charger? Yeah. In a car? Yeah. No. My car has a plug in it. What? Mine does too, but I have a van, so I'd have backed that thing out, started the thing up, and been chilling. My van, my van has multiple outlet, like actual plug-in outlets now. I am pretty extra though, so this this car does does not. So Mike, it's like thirty bucks on the interwebs to get an adapter. You can then make your regular outlet in your car work on a AC. Like it's just a little device. It's a little box. I think I have one sitting on a shelf over there. Hold on. Oh, that's cool, Caleb. But uh, I don't have one of those, so. Well, you should get it, because when you have to vacuum out your car, you can just plug it in wherever. Bye, guys. Yeah, so the the case was Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn versus Cuomo. So here's the thing. I recognize that there are, there are places like this case where there has been discrepancies in what's being allowed for worship or for, for church service, religious services versus like what's being allowed in other areas. And, and those haven't been okay. My, I think my frustration with this whole thing, tying it into the governmental like submission authority thing is like, that hasn't really been as big of an issue here in, in my state. And yet people in general have acted like it is and not understood the nuance between, hey, walking around masked in Walmart is not the same as sitting across a, a table from someone for two hours unmasked, sharing airspace and eating. Like, or sit, even sitting in a church service, Matt, like that's still not even, those aren't comparable in exposure. No, I, I think you're right, though. I think that there is a difference in sitting in a worship service and as opposed to moving around. And, you know, uh, one of the things that has been considerably proven to be effective is air filtration, right? Like we, we know that if you have a really good air filtration system with really good air movement, it's more likely to take those contaminants out. Um, that's just something that we've seen. I didn't know that was going to work at first. And people were like, yeah, no, it's going to work. No problem. And you're like, well, I appreciate your enthusiasm. I'm not quite there with you, but we'll see what happens. And it, as we've gone on, it seems as if having that solid filtration system in a, in a circulating air system has proved th th to be effective. Right. Which is great. Like I, I, it's awesome. You know, if a church can have that and, and move the right amount of air, uh, it's possible that an indoor service could be uh, safe. Right. I, I'm not opposed whole heart like i'm not wholesale opposed to it um uh, but i think there's that again just like i don't think polygamy is sinful 
it is unwise. Just because I don't think that you can't have services indoors doesn't mean I don't think that it's unwise. Um, and, and we have to, we're not just called to what is uh, morally right. We're, we're called to more than that. And we've been meeting, meeting back indoors um, in person since June 28th. I think. And we've also really heavily enforced masks and like all of our staff does, does temperature checks before they come in. Like we've at least done as much as we can in our area and haven't had, haven't had, haven't had issues. Doesn't mean we won't like we've talked about that before, but um, doing it as wisely as possible, at least in our current circumstances, because we can't do it outdoors, but we are still live streaming so that not everybody comes. Like we're, we're really at Matt, like, I think we've had 55 people total, like at one point, and that included like sound people, worship team, like, and stuff like that. And so when there are plenty of other, there's one church in particular in our area who's not like enforcing masks and things. So what I think as often the final segment does, it ties back into the previous segment very well. Like if, if the governing authorities around you are saying, hey, let's do this, the Christian response should often be. Okay, can we do that? Not you're taking away my rights. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's been the most frustrating part is it's never been, okay, how can we do that? It feels from the people around me that the predominant response is that's not fair. And you're right. Life's not fair. You tell your kids that, but then you complain about life not being fair. So maybe you shouldn't tell your kids that. And then it's really unrealistic. Like I, I just saw a comment on one of the posts about, you know, I think the vulnerable and the sick should self-quarantine. Like, that's not possible for everybody, right? Right. Absolutely. And and then think about, so we're really, we're really concerned about the mental health of those who are already well. But if you're elderly or immunocompromised and, you know, already in a state of despair, if you're immunocompromised, you live in a constant state of heightened alert. Right. So now I want you in their constant state of heightened alert to just go to your house and don't leave. If we're actually worried about mental health, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't make any sense. It not it not just isn't fair. It doesn't make any sense. Like the again, the cognitive dissonance of that is because the people who are most mentally healthy are not the ones who can't survive a quarantine. Like th- those those two groups overlap. It's the ones who need the mental health who also often, not all the time, but often are the ones who need to quarantine as well. And that it just doesn't it, it's not fair again. And I'm not saying that life is fair, but also I think that we should be in pursuit of fairness. So back at the beginning of this whole pandemic thing, I did a Facebook live video talking about the reasons that it's important to quarantine and to do all of those things. And one of the biggest reasons to do that is so that when somebody needs something, you can act. If you're always worried about your rights out there and you're you know, worried about, oh no, I have a right to run around without a mask, and then you get exposed, If somebody needs something in the next two weeks and you've been exposed, you can't act. Yeah. You can't comfort a grieving family. You can't be a first responder if somebody needs something. If you've been irresponsible, you're not in a position to help others. Well, and it's the same. It's the exact same as uh, ministers not drinking, right? Like Paul is very clear that someone who is a minister should not be taken with wine. And part of the reason is that you were always vigilant. You were always able to act in those moments. When somebody calls you, you're not. Oh, I, you know, I'd be there, but I can't drive. I've had too much to drink, right? That's not your response because you're ready to go. I don't think that, again, I don't think alcohol is sinful, but there's a reason Paul says, hey, maybe if you're a leader, you don't go over the top. It's so that, like Caleb was mentioning, 
you're ready to go. And like we talked about that back in April when this happened, because one of my youth students' dad died and she came to my house the night that he died. And it's like, so it's like it was, it was the first time I'd broken quarantine, basically, and hugged her. But you were ready to do that. Because I could, because I, but I was able to because we had done the other things. And I was just talking with my neighbor last night because they were exposed. Her baby was exposed, but she's like, and they, they have gotten tested and right now they're both negative. Um, but I don't know timeline wise if it was too soon to get tested or not. But anyway, but she's like, well, I'm quarantined for the next nine days at least. So if there's anything I can do to help you like get ready or like, is there anything I can do? I was like, well, you can address my Christmas cards when they you know, show up. She's like, yeah, I'll do that for you. But like, she's, it's, she's frustrated too. Cause it's like, she's not able, I'm, I'm due in the next two weeks and she's not able to do things to help me or might not be able to like come over and help me or bring me a meal or do those things. And, and this, this neighbor, like we've basically quarantined with them a little bit because they're right across the street. And it was like, we're going to maintain relation. We got to, we'll keep our sphere really small, but being really intentional about keep helping check on people. And my daughter's really sad that she doesn't get to go over to their house and play with their little baby and like spend time with them because, uh, because someone else was irresponsible. Um, and that is a weird thing too. Like I had, I had to tell youth students previously, like when their like their parent had been exposed at work and then came down with a fever and the youth student was still going to come to youth group. And I was like, no, your, your mom is sick. And they're like, well, she tested negative great. She still has a fever and she's still sick. So like, you need to not be at youth group. <laughs> Sorry. And like, we don't even have that mentality during the regular flu season. If someone in the household is sick, you know, hey, let's not go and expose people. Um, right. But there's an amount that as for our tens of listeners who are listening to this podcast, as it comes out, as it's getting to be winter time, as People are shut in more now, as much as it was in the spring, as much as it has been this whole time. It is your responsibility to make sure that you are healthy and able to respond when somebody needs it. Mm -hmm. Because as tragedy happens, as we're having more cases, you need to be ready so that like what happened with Rebecca earlier, if somebody in your church family dies or if there's a tragedy, there is something to a person physically being there that is super meaningful. And as leaders, as Christians, it is your responsibility to be ready to respond. And then after you do respond and after you give that hug that they need, it is your responsibility to then spend two weeks basically by yourself so that you can do it again. Yeah. So basically we need to be like, you know, the Boy Scouts and be prepared is what I'm hearing. Yes, but we would rather be like the Royal Rangers. Let's be ready. I have no experience with them. Oh. The ranger motto is be ready. I did not grow up in the church. Ready for what? Ready for anything. I know the 4-H motto. Is that also be ready or be prepared? No. So I pledge my head to clearer thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to greater service for my club, my community, my country, and my world. That's not a motto. Sorry. The motto is to make the best better. Thank you. I was like, that is too many words for a motto. Thanks for listening to the Barely Saved Podcast. Make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show notes at barelysafepodcast.com. Bye. Bye. Toodaloo. Anybody, anybody else have anything else that we want to say? I really need to pee.